Welcome. We are going to do communion today, so please take a seat. And um, if you're online and you're at home, feel free to go grab um, some carbohydrates, some bread, some biscuits, um, some juice that you might have in order that you can share with us in communion today. So um, if someone could just come up and pass around our, uh, our bread and our wine to everyone, that would be great. And up in sale, yep, and that would be good. And while we're just passing those around, just hold on to them. And I just wanted to share, I was just thinking about how um, in the Old Testament, God often tells his people many times to remember, to remember what he's done. And there's a lot of things that he does, lots of festivals, to remember the Passover, where God saved his people from slavery, where he rescued them, where he parted the Red Sea. And again, he tells his people, remember, we have many sacrificial um, altars that the old people did in the, test, um, in the Old Testament to remember the consequence of sin. And God's like, remember. And he keeps getting people to share the stories and to repeat the stories that we now have in our Old Testament so that we can remember who the Lord is and what he has done for us. And on the night that Jesus, before Jesus is put on the cross, the night that he is betrayed, he's there celebrating one of these festivals with his closest friends, his disciples. And they are remembering, and it's not a coincidence that it is on this night where they are remembering what God did to rescue his people. And on that night, he takes the cup, the blood of the covenant. He takes the cup, and can I grab one please? Thanks, Camden. And, um, and he says, take this in remembrance of me. And he also asks us to break the bread and do this in remembrance of his body that was broken. And it's not for God's sake that he does this. It's not because he needs our praise and our worship, although we should give him praise and worship for this. But it's not for his sake. It's not for his benefit. He wants us to remember because it's for our benefit. When we remember that this sacrificial act, this life-giving act that he gives up his only son for us so that we can have relationship with him, that we can be transformed by a new relationship with God, that we can be transformed in our identity because we get to be adopted to be children of God, And that we come and give thanks and we can have a thankful heart no matter how hard our situation may be or how blessed we may be. But every day we have a reason to give thanks. And it is in this way that we can be transformed and changed. And this is why it's important that we always remember and be thankful because we are a new people in Christ and we can have a new relationship. And it's truly an amazing gift that we are given. So please join in me with taking the the elements and may you remember and may it not just be something that you know in your head because so often I know these things in my head but that we would know it in our hearts um, that it would be a transformation in our hearts of this truth. God we thank you. God we thank you for the sacrifice that you've made for us and the difference that that makes to every single part of our life. God, we thank you that we can meet together to celebrate, to remember that sacrifice that you've made for us to be 
um, equipped for the journey that lies ahead, for the week that lies ahead, for all of the conversations that we will be a part of with maybe people who don't know you yet. God, I thank you for everything that you are doing in our lives, for everything that you've done and for everything that you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome to church again. Welcome, Yaram. Lovely to see Yaram online with us today. Uh, welcome to everyone else who's online um, and joining from wherever you are. We are very, very glad to have you here. Um, while I'm talking to you, you can be filling out a Connect card. So pop out your devices and uh, get on the Church Centre app. Fill out a Connect card. If you're watching online, just say something in the chat. That would be enough. We will know you're, you're here. Uh, and a special welcome to somebody very special today. We have a brand new little baby in our midst. Little uh, Grace is here for the first time. So little little quiet ones um, in case she's asleep. Um, so I don't know what sort of day you guys are having today, but I've had one cuddle of a baby already and I'm on a promise for a second. So it's a good day for me. Um, all right, so a uh, little bit of what you need to know. Um, SBC Kids is on today and uh, you can uh, go out during the mingle time. Um, yeah, be checking in, connect cards, tell us what, what we need to know as leadership or um, church family. You can communicate with us in that way. That would be brilliant. So um, we can be passing the offering buckets around too. So come on, hurry up, communion crew. Get those buckets going. Put that communion down immediately. All right, so while the offering buckets are being passed around and you can pop in Connect cards if you've got paper ones in there as well, that would be brilliant. I'll just tell you a couple of things that we've got coming up um, this coming weekend. On, a, on Saturday, we've got the men's breakfast, which starts at 7, and it is for the men because it's called the men's breakfast. There's a little clue there. Men's breakfast for the men, 7. At 9.30, church family... That's everybody, including the men. Um, we'll be meeting uh, here at 9.30 to go on our grand tour. So we're touring around Gippsland in a safe, responsible, grown-up kind of way, um, following clues. Uh, we're going to have fun. So uh, it's a great time to really um, have fellowship, meet other people in your church family that you don't know yet. Um, and bring other people along. It's a great event to invite people to, a really easy event, and we will finish in Painesville with lunch. So make sure you sign up for those things. Again, take your devices out right now. If you mean to come to any of those things, um, register them for them right now. Um, you are just sitting here, so you can do that. All right. Just a quick story to share with you. I'm not sure everybody uh, may not know that your pastoral team and leaders, uh, some of us were away um, at a conference this week. And just one small story to share from that. So at the end of the conference, um, we got a, a ride back to our accommodation and we were um, driven by a lovely man called Dan, Dan Lun, Dan Lun something. Anyway, he was Chinese. And he'd lived in China all of his life and had um, grown up obviously being told that um, religion, Christianity was bad, you must not go there. Uh, through school, through everything, culturally, you do not go there, it is bad. Um, and then he'd come to Australia, so he, he considers us to be a Christian country, Christian culture still. Um, and he saw where he picked us up from, so he picked us up from this big church 
And, and so he started asking us questions. So this guy was in a car with five pastors who had just been to a conference um, and he deserved everything he got at that point. So he basically pumped us with questions for 35 minutes going back to our accommodation and it was like an apologetics course that we were doing in the car with this guy and he would ask a question and we'd all like go who's who's going to get this one like I don't want to jump in too quick but also I don't want to leave the guy hanging um anyway he he talked to us the whole way back and he was not he just wasn't stopping he wasn't satisfied uh, and then he told us a bit of his story, like Jehovah's Witnesses had uh, been really good to him over the years and um, they'd basically helped him with his English more than they'd pushed Christianity or, or their, their beliefs onto him, which, you know, big tick for them for doing that. And then just other people, his friends who were Christians said, why don't you become a Christian too? And he was like, oh, because it's bad. And anyway, you can see how this guy has been on this journey. And there have been people kind of feeding into his journey. I just want to encourage you. There are people out there in our community that need to know God so badly. And he has them on a journey. He's had people feeding into them um, for however many years. And there are people who need to know. Um, So just like... Be on the front foot, like like be be thinking that you know that that this could happen. Um, anyway, this guy he was quite warm to Christianity by the end. I don't know if he just wanted us to stop talking. No, he didn't, because he was still asking. But anyway, so um, and then Steve prayed a really quick prayer, prayer for him as we got out of the car, like ten seconds, um, and and we said we will see you next year. We will try and find you when we're back here next year and see how you've gone with that. Um, and encouraged him to connect with his church and everything. So I want us all to be praying for this guy. I'm not sure if his name was Danon or Danlon, something like that, wasn't it? Something. God knows who he is. Uh, but we need to be praying for him. Um, so just try and remember him in your prayers if you can. And um, I don't know, I'd love to hear what happens the rest of the story. But there are people like that in our community that we can be witnessing to. They want to know. God, God wants them that guy is a marked man. God wants him. And uh, it was like a pleasure to be a part of that little story for him. So um, I just encourage you, be looking for people like that. And when they ask you a question, be ready. Get your answer ready. All right. Um, anyway, we're going to mingle in a moment, but let me just let's stand and we'll pray. And uh, we have pe- people in our church family who I don't have permission to share their stories but there are some people hurting uh, right now in our in our families that we're connected with Um, so let's just pray together God we thank you so much for being the Lord of our life today as well as our saviour for all eternity God I thank you for just the difference that that makes for us God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for reaching down and drawing us to yourself. God, we pray for families that we know that are hurting this week particularly, who are um, in a difficult season and who are drawing their strength and their comfort and their peace from you. God, we thank you for that difference that it can make. And God, we pray for that lovely young guy, Dannon, um, for the for the journey that you've clearly had him on. God, we thank you for the privilege that was ours to be in that car with him and answering his questions and the things that he wanted to know so badly. 
God, I thank you that you have your hand on him, uh, that you do have a plan for his life. And God, we think of so many other people that we know that that is true for as well. God, we know that you can do amazing, miraculous things, that you can take a person who's been uh, told his whole life that Christianity's bad and that you can turn him around, that you can change his mind, that you can have people along the journey for him that are just feeding into that. And God, we just uh, we pray with great expectation for what you are going to do through him. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for considering us worth dying for and God we thank you that you continue to use people like us to further your purposes in the in the lives of those around us in Jesus name amen mingle for five minutes and the kids can go out thank you good 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 morning why don't you grab your seat just sit down where you are if you made a new friend just say hey can I sit with you that's fantastic let me add to Pastor Jackie's welcome. It's great to have you here, especially if you're here for the first time. Uh, really special welcome. We're, we're so glad you've joined us this morning. Special welcome to those in Yarram as well this morning. Thanks, Sophie, so much for leading us in communion this morning. That was fantastic. Um, I'm joined up on stage with Andrew Naylor. It's great to have Andrew with us this morning. Andrew, yeah, you can give him a clap. You don't even know who, what kind of guy he is yet. But That's right. It's very confident of you. Faith step. That's right. Andrew's part of the BUV team, um, in the Mission Catalyst team, um, and he's actually, preaching. I'm, I'm actually in the comms team, but that's okay. Comms yeah, team, yeah, but yeah, right. he works with the yeah, partnership. Work, yeah, what's, your, what's your title? The uh, development partnership development pastor. pastor. Yeah, so yeah, I am connected right. with the Mission Catalyst. Yes, that's right. Well. Yeah. yeah, he can correct anything I say wrong about him. Um, he knows more about himself than I do. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andrew, tell us how long you've been working at the BUV for? Uh, started in January 2020 when we all thought 2020 was going to be the best year ever. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's exactly. fantastic. What a yeah, year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're married, got kids? Yeah, married. So uh, my wife, Karen, uh, two adult children, um, 27 and 25 actually now, you know. Although you sort of go 25 plus two COVID years. That's kind of how you measure time at the moment, I yeah, reckon. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And what were you doing prior to being in the BUV? Oh, prior to the BUV, I spent um, six years in an Indigenous relationship role, yep. um, which was, I, I learnt an incredible amount, I could talk all day about that. Um, uh, but prior to that, I've, I've been a musician, music director for, for most of my life. So. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So Andrew's sticking around after our service and doing a bit of a workshop with our creative team, so, and if you want to stick around and you like what he says and you want to hear more <laughs> of his voice, so... Um, come and have some lunch with us. You're more than welcome to, to stick around, even if you're not a muso, um, and enjoy that time with us. Yeah. Um, but what footy team do you go for? Sorry? What oh, footy, footy team? Well, the All Blacks, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite, well, well I'm, let's see if he can I'm redeem himself of, with his message, eh? Kind of err on, yeah, <laughs> kind of on the Geelong you know, thing, but, you know, anyway, look on. Yeah. Oh, well, Geelong's but, a good team. Yeah, a little, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, All right, well, let's yeah, say yeah, welcome great. to Andrew, and thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, Brad. Great to be here. Uh, thanks for having us. And just as an extension of that, um, you know, I work in partnership development. So we're, you know, I know you guys are starting. Um, I've got the Lock Sport Row just here. Is that correct? Is that what I heard? So um, partnering, you know, partnering with the, the Baptist Union uh, Support Hub and, and, and getting some of these things off the ground. You know, so we'll probably talk about that more about that another day, perhaps. You know, it's great. So look, it's great to be here on such a beautiful day and, and such a beautiful part of the country. And um, you kind of get to this point though, where you go, "You're glad to be anywhere, right? In any weather." You know, 
Um, but just on that, you know, I just want to acknowledge the traditional owners of this land we're on. I believe it's the, the Gunai Kurnai people, is that correct? Yep. Um, uh, and just want to acknowledge and, and pay my respects to them. Uh, because that's just part of our journey in this country. And um, I think we're living in good times as far as the way that's developing at the moment, hopefully, that we can reconcile our difficult past with, with a great future together. So I just want to make acknowledgement of that as we get started. So, um, As you may have picked up, I grew up in Aotea, uh, New Zealand, Aotearoa, New Zealand, which is why the All Blacks thing. Although my kids were born here, they're still All Blacks fans, which is good. We're hoping to get to the game in September. So, so I've raised them well. I've got one thing right, you know. Um, anyway, when, when I was a kid, um, I remember a story on the news when I was probably like 11 or 12 years old, and it was about the Auckland Harbour Bridge, and what had happened is that they'd opened up the Harbour Bridge a day for, uh, for foot traffic to go across, you know, they closed it down to vehicles and they'd opened it up for foot traffic. And so uh, partway through this day when people are walking across, and this is why I remember the news article, is that the bridge started to sway. And they were concerned, clearly concerned, that the bridge was starting to sway with everyone walking across it, that it might collapse. Now, obviously, it didn't, which is a good thing. Um, the thing is, what happened was that the bridge was built for a certain rhythm, but another rhythm had been applied to its structure. Because when you walk, you often get into step with people. You know that saying, and we, get, we walk in step. And what had happened was that people were walking in step, and so therefore, the bridge was actually starting to sway. And in the same way, I think we are born... With, uh, and created for certain rhythms, which include spiritual rhythms. And, and if we ignore them, we end up swaying to something else. And I think it's a great analogy for us to understand that thing, you know, when you're built for a certain rhythm and then you start to sway something else. So my message, I think, I don't know if we're going to get a PowerPoint up. Is that happening? It says two stones and the rhythm of worship. So did everyone get two stones as they came in this morning? If you didn't get them, get them on the way out. And hopefully this will make sense by the time we get to the end, okay? Um, so... The, the times we're in, you know, our rhythms have been changed a, a bit right of late, you know, in our lives. Our rhythms really got changed a lot over the last couple of years. But even prior to COVID, the rhythms of life get changed all the time. I remember as a kid when we first got a television. Does anyone remember that? When that you know, some of us in the room might. Many of us wouldn't actually remember that. But I actually remember as a kid when we first got a TV. And that changed the rhythm of our lives. My parents grew up without TV in the house. And their rhythm would have been different than our, our rhythm as we, as, as we were kids, you know, they would have grown up, you know, my family grew up singing around the piano perhaps, you know, and so the rhythm's changed and even now that rhythm has changed again with the introduction of things like Netflix, you know, and we get caught up uh, in many other rhythms and what happens is what gains our attention is what sets the rhythms of our lives. What gains our attention is what sets the rhythms in our lives and what gains the best of our attention is actually what defines our worship. So I just want to talk today a little bit about how worship should be defining, you know, as a spiritual rhythm, should set the core of our lives. Okay? Um, and so we're going to give our lives to something. And whether we give our lives to something big or something small, it doesn't matter because in the end it costs us our whole life, right? But in the meantime, it might also cost us our soul whatever we're giving our lives to. And so worship has to play a very central part and a very core part in our lives so we actually get these rhythms of our lives uh, straight. Psalm 25, um, it says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. I lift up my soul. And we know that this is a reflection of, of many of the Psalms. This is a, a, an expression of worship. I lift up my soul to you. And, 
And so this, this, is, this is something that we sort of go, okay, what is my soul for a start? But actually, one of the questions I ask is, I go, God, who are you? You know, who, it, who is it that I'm actually lifting up my soul to? Who am I trusting my life with? Because when we worship, that's actually what's getting the best of our attention. What am I giving the best of my attention to? And so we ask ourselves, who is this God and why will we lift our soul up to him? In Romans chapter 12, the next, it says, uh, Paul writes in the New Testament here, he says, I urge you therefore, uh, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So Paul reflects what worship is, is to present our everyday lives. So in the Old Testament, we talk about living, lifting up our souls, and we go, well, who is this God I'm lifting it up to? But also this idea of who do we present our everyday lives to is actually what's defining our worship. I love the way Eugene Peterson uh, translates that in the next little slide here. He says, take your every ordinary life and place it before God. You, everything you do, you're walking around, you know, you're eating, you're sleeping, everything you do and place it before God. But I love the way he, tra- he translates this next page. He says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. It's a really great translation, I reckon, of that. And so we have to ask, not only who are we lifting up our souls to, but who are we presenting our everyday lives to in worship? And again, for many of us over the last few years, um, our everyday lives really got restricted. Living in Melbourne, I mean, honestly, seriously, we we had curfews, you know, and our lockdowns, and and so our rhythms. And I I found myself actually kind of, my world kind of shrinking um, quite a lot, you know, and, and, and my perspectives were thinking these new rhythms actually changed the way I was thinking about a lot of things. One of the great things we loved was Friday evening, we got to Friday, you feel like, wow, we made it through another week, right? That's incredible. Um, but we'd have a fire out the back, you know, and because we couldn't go anywhere else, and who knew how good it would be to have a backyard, right? Anyway, so, so we, we, we had a fire out the back, and, and, you know, we'd look up at the stars, and I got thinking, you know, I said, what's going to expand my thinking outside of my new rhythms, my own, my own parameters? And I got thinking a little bit about space. And, um, and so I just a very, very brief look into space, and I, and I realised, you know, because we're looking up at the stars, and our next nearest star is a star called Alpha Proxima, and it's part of a three-star cluster called Alpha Centauri. And if we were to travel at 60,000 kilometres per hour, which is what Space Voyager 1 is currently doing through space, so if we were to travel at 60,000 kilometres per hour, which would take us about 20 minutes to get to London, which would be very handy, right, Jackie? Right? You know, so that would be very handy. Um, if we were travelling at 60,000 kilometres per hour, it would take us 80,000 years to get to our nearest star. Right? Incredible, right? And, I, and I'm just starting to go, oh, wow, OK. And our, that star is one of billions of stars in our galaxy. Billions, right? And the centre of our galaxy is what's called, is a very official term called a supermassive black hole. Right? That's the official term. It's a supermassive black hole. And, and nobody really knows anything. They don't know much about these, su- these supermassive black holes. They're a mystery. And so I'm going, man, we are in... There's billions of stars in our galaxy. And there are billions of galaxies. And the centre of our galaxy is a mystery. And I'm starting to go, wow, okay, this is the God I lift up my soul to. And not only that, but our solar system, orbiting around the centre of this mystery, takes, it takes us 240 million years to orbit. 
And I'm just standing going, I'm going, oh, wow, God. Who do I lift up my soul to? I'm just going, I'm going, wow. I remember stopping on my deck one day just going, wow. When I say to you, oh, Lord, I lift up my soul, I just go, I'm just going, oh, my goodness. My goodness, God, that's who I lift up my soul to. And so I remember thinking, man, this, this God is deserving of unbelievable respect. This creator of the heavens and earth. And of course, in our narrative, we know that this God visited us as Jesus. This, this God visited us and Jesus lived you know, in a, you know, this incredible life and, and, and death and resurrection and ascension. And we now have the Holy Spirit. And I, and I got thinking about what did it mean for Jesus to ascend and for the Holy Spirit to arrive. Well, clearly it's not about time and space. Clearly it's not about distance, right? And what that made me realize is actually just how near God must be. I felt how near God must be. Because clearly it's not about how far he's come and gone. Because the distance is just immeasurable in our lives. And I think, you know, when we see the transfiguration on, on the mountain where Jesus meets with Moses and, um, and Elijah, right, I think that for me is that sense of actually it's just about another dimension and that God is clearly here. And so when we talk about presenting our everyday lives, we just go, wow, God, you're right here. You're so deeply concerned and engaged in every aspect of our life. And so when I present my everyday life, I'm going, this is about everything, God. You are concerned about every single thing that I do because you're right here. And I found this quite profound in my own thinking. But what I realized also is that, um, that these, these regular moments of, of awe, of thinking about who God is, and also this idea of actually this, this connectedness and this closeness of God who's so close, they get disrupted and interrupted you know, by our everyday lives in all sorts of ways, that routine that I was talking about before, the rhythms of things that have changed. And so we've lost the, the sense of awe, the psalmist in Psalm 8 that comes up here. He says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have displayed your splendor above the heavens. When I consider your heavens, which we just did for a moment, you know, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have set in place, what is humankind that you think of them? Which you do, right? You just go, God, how, how can I possibly matter in this big scheme? Yet you have made them a little lower than God in some translations say the angels. You know, so there's this sense of actually this, this sense of awe that the psalmist, and when these psalmists wrote, you know, they reckon that they could probably see about 5,000 stars in the sky. And they were just in awe. But actually what should happen is our awe should be even more increased with the knowledge that we now have. We just go, my goodness, God, this is, this is who you are. Psalm 19 Similarly, he says, you know, the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse declares the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech and night to night reveals knowledge. But what I realize is that actually our, our, our rhythms and, and, and the distractions and disruptions that are in our lives actually are stopping us from really having this experience because we live under a canopy, particularly, I mean, unless you guys can see the stars down here. I mean, we can't see the stars anymore in Melbourne, you know, because of the light. We very rarely, you know, I encourage my kids to take their shoes off in the middle of winter and go and stand out in the grass. Let the rain fall on them because we, don't, we, we, we get so removed from creation. All right, are you all with me? All right, you know, so, so there's a sense of actually losing this sense of awe in the midst of it all. And we get caught up in other rhythms, you know, particularly entertainment. Not that there's anything wrong with entertainment, but, you know, we get caught up with a footy fixture, right? Okay, everyone gets caught up in the rhythm of the footy fixture. What, we get caught up in a TV series, you know. And, now, and nowadays, like with Netflix, you hear, oh, I binge-watched something over a weekend. And I just go, 
We get caught up and we get sucked into other rhythms and start to determine our lives rather than actually getting this core rhythm of, of worship. And not only are we, you know, are we getting caught up in rhythms that the, the world's setting in front of us, we actually we, we get to a point where actually you can't escape them. It's like, I mean, I've, I've got an update that wants to get done on my phone or my iPad, you know, and I just go, oh, it just drives me crazy, right? You know? And so we, we, we're actually getting caught in them. All the social media actually pulls us into algorithms that you can't escape from. And so we are driven by other rhythms. And what worship then becomes for us, the way we sang this morning, you know, just coming into here, but also just in any other way you engage with worship, it actually is a gift to us. It's a gift that says actually you can break out of those rhythms. You can break out of the other things that are determining the way your life is running. And it gets God back to the center, the core of our lives, so that we walk to the beat of his drum. We walk to his rhythm, which is obviously and ultimately the, the rhythm of love. But it's becoming increasingly difficult. And, uh, and so we've got to realize that the creator actually has a certain rhythm for us, certain rhythms for us, which include awe. They include this expansion. You know, when Paul writes about being transformed by the renewing of our mind, that's not just about kind of lining up with a whole bunch of things. It's actually about, wow, this, this discovery of stuff. It transforms our minds. It transforms our lives. But the world has another rhythm which is actually narrowing us down and thinks it's got all the answers. And anybody who thinks they've got all the answers in light of the, state, of the size of the universe, it clearly is not right. You know, we don't have all the answers, and, and the world wants to narrow us down, whereas God actually wants to expand, expand us. And if we're not aligning to God's rhythms, we're going to sway to whatever rhythm the crowd's going to set up for us. Whatever rhythm the world wants to throw at us, we're just going to sway to these rhythms. Jesus talked about prayer in Matthew 6, uh, verse 6, and he says, you know, when you pray, you go into your room and you close your door. Another, I think another version says, you know, you go into your closet, you shut out everything else. A modern-day translation that would be, you know, when you pray, turn off your device. You tell that to a millennial and they'll freak out. But that's the thing. You know, we are caught up in rhythms, and in, in, I really believe that if Jesus was here, he'd say, turn off your device. When you pray, when you worship, shut out all the other rhythms so that actually you can just hear my heartbeat, you can hear my rhythm without the intrusion of everything else. That's a challenge for us today. It really is a challenge, but I, I, I really believe this is what God wants from us to be able to go. I just want to shut out the world for a bit so that actually I can hear his, his heartbeat. It, it says throughout um, the Gospels often that Jesus, it says he often withdrew to pray. And sometimes it says he prayed all night. I reckon he chose the night because it was quiet. Because actually it was a moment where all the other rhythms of the world weren't happening and he'd go, I'm just going to pray all night because actually everything else is shut down. Uh, we've got a magpie that sings in the middle of the night around the airplane, so I don't know if anyone's there. But I listen, I go, that's a beautiful thing, right? It's just amazing to hear that in the middle of the night. And I go, I don't know what that's about. I don't know why that magpie's singing, but gee, it's a beautiful thing to hear in the middle of the night. And, and so we actually hear differently at these times. We shut out the rhythms of other things. Mother Teresa, when she asked, you know, what do you do when you pray? She says, I listen. And I said, what does God do? And she said, well, he listens too. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> you know, so there's a sense of actually shutting everything else down so that actually we are communing with God. And I think it's harder and harder for us to find these, these times you know, where we can lift up our souls and we can present our everyday lives in an environment that is not 
infiltrated by other things. And what I've found in my own world is that, you know, by creating these rhythms, is I forget who God is from one day to the next. I just forget. And I forget that he's all about hope, he's all about peace, he's all about love, and he's all about joy. And I, you know, I forget those things because I get caught up in all the other stuff. And that's why he wants us to be spending this time in worship and prayer with him. And so, in some ways, this, this very brief study of space that I did made me realize again, you know, got, got, you know, got me asking these questions. I said, who am I in the middle of this incomprehensible majesty? Who am I really? In the same way that Psalmist says, you know, what is humankind that you, you even think of them? But on the other hand, I was finding this extraordinary kind of joy. I just go, I mean, I just go wow. All this was made for me to enjoy. And, and I found myself challenged again by these two extremes, you know, in the midst of this amazing magnificence, magnificence. But actually realizing once again that Jesus came as God and visited me, visited us. And he came to be truly with us, to be one of us, and to be for us. And once again, I found, you know, who am I really? But actually this amazing thing that God cares about me deeply. And a number of years ago, I came across a great saying that helps me understand these two extremes. And, and it's from a rabbi, Simka Bunim, who said that a person should carry two stones in their pockets at all times. On one is inscribed, I am but dust and ashes. And on the other, for my, for my sake, was the world created. And they should use each as they need it. Profound bit of wisdom. It's a profound bit of wisdom. And the thing is, you know, we all understand this idea of being dust and ashes. All over this, we get this, you know, who am I really in the midst of all this? What does my life count for? But on the other hand, you know, 200, 240 million years of orbit, really what does my life count for on that, you know? But on the other hand... We understand that, that we are completely unique, that we can potentially do great things, and we love seeing other people do great things. We rejoice in those things, right? Ollie Hall running the 1,500 metres. Wasn't that an amazing moment, right? I had tears in my eyes, you know, just going out, you know? And uh, I am an Australian citizen as well. That's okay. I'm a Kiwi and an Australian, so I'm, I'm allowed to barrack for, for both, both uh, sides of the ditch. But, but, you know, it's an amazing moment. We love seeing those moments. Right, and we realize that actually we've got great potential. We're unique. We've all got a unique set set of fingerprints. We don't need someone else to enjoy a great. Sun. I'm driving down here this morning, watching the sunrise. I'm just on my own, and I'm going, "Wow, I don't need someone else for that." That that sunrise was created for me to enjoy. So, for my sake, was the world created? And the thing is, you know, we understand. We subconsciously understand both these truths. I'm just dust and ashes. But for my sake, was the world created? And I think we subconsciously understand the both, but we're not sure where we fit on the continuum. We're sort of always trying to figure that out. When my kids were little, we went to the park a lot. Like a lot. You go to the park a lot, right, when you've got young kids. In fact, I thought I was going to be at the park for the rest of my life. I remember sitting there thinking, I'm going to be at the park for the rest of my life. Um, all of a sudden, it stops. But, um, and also, I remember when I was a kid. Now, I don't know, a seesaw is still allowed at the park. Okay. Because you're just never sure nowadays what's allowed anymore, right? But, um, but anyway, when, when I was a kid, you know, did anyone ever try standing on a seesaw and try to balance, right? Right? How successful are you? Not very, you know. So, but I think this is kind of what we do. I think we go, look, I know I'm dust and ashes, 
I know for my sake was the world creator, but actually we try and sort of land somewhere in the middle of it, right? Because we don't want to think that we're at either extreme. But when we actually understand that, um, that actually it's okay to be at each extreme, what worship actually helps us do is actually keep God at the center wherever we are, whether we're feeling dust and ashes or whether we're feeling, for my sake, was the world created. And it keeps us equipped to live wherever we are. And what happens is we actually carry God to each extreme. We carry God when we are just feeling dust and ashes, but God is still center. He's not off-center. He's still center when we're here at dust and ashes. And likewise over here, you know, when things are going well, God has still got to be center. He's still got to be honored and worshiped in the midst of that. Otherwise, we kind of accept each extreme as some sort of karma, right? Well, I deserve to have this. I deserve to drive this great car because I've worked hard. I've had all this sort of stuff. You know, I deserve it. And t- what is the world telling you? The world has continued, you know, the ads these days. You deserve this, right? You deserve that. And over here, we might just go, oh, man, my, li- my life's just dust and ashes. And I think it's because I threw a stone at the neighbor's cat when I was five years old, you know. And so we think that we actually, we, we're here at these extremes because of something we've done. Instead of actually just going, you know, it may, it may just be a privileged set of circumstances, which is usually the case, that actually allow me to live a good life. Or it might just be a, you know, a, a, a difficult set of circumstances that have allowed us to be, end up over here. But what happens is that God is at the center. We carry God at the center of our lives wherever we are on the spectrum. The other thing that worship does is it defines whose we are. So wherever I am, if I'm feeling dust and ashes over here, I am still God's child. If things are not going well for me, but when things are going really well for me, you know, and maybe they're not going well for someone else, I'm still God's child over here. And so we carry God to the center of each extreme, but we also are defined by being God's child at each extreme. David known as a worshipper of God. We know this, you know. We see through the narrative of his story, but also through many of the Psalms he wrote, that actually he swung wildly, wildly between these two extremes, between Psalms, and even within a Psalm. So if we go to Psalm 103, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord and all that is within me. Bless his holy name, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with love and kindness and compassion who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Right? I mean, this is, for my sake, was the world created. But equally, just in the same psalm, the next thing that comes up says, for he himself knows our frame. I think there's another. Yep. Oh, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are but dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no longer. Wow, that's really kind of depressing, isn't it? But it's true, right? You know, we, we understand this reality that actually at some stage my life's not going to count to anybody. Um, but this is the same psalm. But central to the psalm is, bless the Lord, O my soul. The psalm starts with it and it finishes with it. Likewise, you know, Psalm 23, even the psalm we know so well. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. This whole sense that actually the world was made for me. The green pastures were made for me. The waters were made for me. But then David reflects on, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the reality is one day you're lying down in green pastures. 
The next day you're, riding, you're, you're lying down or you're trying to walk through the valley of shadow death. But central to that is that the Lord is my shepherd. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And so we see David in the Psalms and, and plenty of between Psalms as well. But also in David's life. Um, yeah, there's you know, the great story in 2 Samuel chapter 6 where David is, you know, they've gone out and they've fought the, the Philistines and, and Israel have captured the Ark of the Covenant. And they're coming back into Jerusalem. And it says that at that point, wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord. He'd stripped down. They're bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. David stripped down. It says that dance, David was dancing, in other words, worshipping before the Lord with all his might while he and all Israel were bringing out the Ark of the Lord with the shouts and the sounds of trumpets. And I can imagine David just going, man, this was the day I was made for. This is the greatest day of my life. This is, this is what God has got me here for. But at that point, he strips down and he worships God. The greatest day of his life. Just six chapters later, right, David's com- just six chapters, second chapter, chapter 12, David has committed adultery. He's committed murder. He's trying to cover up a whole bunch of things in his life. And at this point, six chapters later, and he's wrestling with the fact that actually his child is sick and is potentially going to die. And it says that he's pleading before God with all his might. But actually the child still dies. And it says at that point, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, it says, David got up from the ground. After he had washed, he put on lotions and changed his clothes and he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. So even at this point, David chose to worship. Now, I'm not suggesting that anybody has to muster that courage at this point in their lives for a moment. But I'm just saying that this is what David chose to do. So at the darkest point of his life, he chooses to worship. At the greatest point of his life, he chooses to worship. So whether we're feeling dust and ashes, whether we're feeling for my sake was the world created, we worship because God is central to the whole story of our lives. Everything about our lives. We all resonate with being dust and ashes. You know, we all know that at some point we're going to feel hopeless and helpless, naked, numb. You know, but at that point, you know, we are invited. You know, we might feel like giving up, but actually what we're invited to do is actually pull out another stone. And the understanding that actually not only am I feeling dust and ashes, but actually for my sake was the world created. And that stone might look like Psalm 61 that says, Hear my cry, O God, give heed to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. We're called to understand another truth as well. And we know that even if we're the only human on the planet, Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection was done for us. It was done for all humanity, but it was done for us as individuals. God cares about us. For my sake was the world created. And every star, every wave, every living thing was made for my enjoyment and my wonder. And every extraordinary sunset and sunrise, you know, the, the raw beauty, you know, the, when a ladybird lands on your hand, one of those rare moments, you just go, oh my goodness, you know. Where would we be without the music of, of Bach and Beethoven and Mozart, right? And, and, and Michelangelo, Da Vinci, Picasso, Einstein, Newton, numerous other artists, engineers, architects, creators, sports people and scientists who've all inspired us by pushing the boundaries of discovery all because they believe that for their sake the world was created. And that's inspiring to us, and we understand that. But actually, while we're out over here, we have to remember that we are worshippers of God. 
because we can't get stuck out of here out at this point either for my sake was well created. And that other stone might look like, for example, Romans 11.36, where Paul writes, For from you and through you and to you are all things, to you be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our balance for, to, to thinking the world was created for our sake is actually remember that everything belongs to God. From him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And to be this kind of worshipper, where we understand both extremes, is that actually what it means is that God gets my best. I give God my best. I give him my best of my intention, my attention. It means that my family gets my best. My friends get my best. Strangers will also get my best, which is clearly a part of God's heart. And, and in some ways, that's what people need from me more than anything else. They actually need me to have God at the very center and the very core of my life, wherever I am on the continuum, because they're going to get their best from me as doing that. And I know that there are times, and this is not always the case, uh, we were recently doing a gig uh, earlier this year, I think it was, um, up, in, um, up in Melbourne, and we'd done a sound check and all that sort of stuff, and we'd gone out to have some dinner, and we're coming out of a restaurant in South Melbourne. There's like five or six of us in the band. We came out... Uh, onto the footpath, you know, and, and this homeless person came along and, and she asked, she says, oh, does anybody know where I can find such and such a service, you know, and we said, look, sorry, we don't know, we don't know this area, you know, I'm sorry, and so, so she just carries off down the road straight away, you know, no, no harm done, she's just, okay, off, off, go, but she's about 30 or 40 metres down the road and I just turned around, oh, God, I couldn't answer her question, but gee, I could have done something for her, I, I could have checked that she'd had a meal, you know, and she was already engaging with other people, you know, and, I, and, I, and I'm just going, I was so caught up in my, for my sake was the world created, that I, I, I didn't pay attention to someone whose whole life really is, is dust and ashes. And in the big scheme of things, we've got to realize that, that God is all about justice and equity. And what happens if we get stuck out of for my sake was the world created, which is, which is a pretty underlying thing in our Western world. Hey, this world was made for me. What can I get out of it? What can I do? But actually what that can often do is actually mean that other people, other countries, other cultures even, get caught as being dust and ashes, get caught at being the bottom of the barrel. And so our whole lives, not just about our individual lives, but actually about us as societies and about peoples, to actually realize that, that, that we are, when we get this central idea as individuals, we can also get it as, as, a, as a church, as a people and community, realizing that actually there are people who are stuck here and mainly people are stuck here because there's a lot of people stuck out here. And it means that actually, you know, that everything's out of balance. The thing is, you know, we live in this gloriously beautiful world. It's a beautiful world. It's fully beautiful. It's just, I mean, I love watching David Attenborough shows. You know, I just go, man, look at that creation. I know he's not not a believer, but I just go, it's amazing what you see. I just go, it's incredible what, what God's made and stuff being discovered still all the time. It's a fully beautiful world, but something is also wrong. Something's broken, right? We all recognize that, but it's also, it's actually fully broken. And I am a fully broken human being. I know that I'm corrupt to the core. You know, it only takes a little thing for me to actually do something tragically difficult. But actually what we realize, actually we've got to carry God, we've got to have God as the center. In other words, you know, so that we don't get stuck out at each of these extremes. And what we're encouraged to do is actually get a central rhythm, you know, so that when we lift up our souls, when we shut out the world, when we present our whole lives, we're not fitting in without thinking about it, you know, we're actually 
carrying God and actually discovering God also at each of these extremes. When we get God at the centre, um, we understand his rhythms, you know, so that we don't sway to whatever other rhythms are presenting themselves. And we can also create rhythms. It's important to create rhythms because the whole world is trying to create rhythms for us. And we're actually called to have a different rhythm. We're actually called to create different rhythms so that we don't, as Eugene Peterson writes, we don't fit into the culture of the world around us without even thinking about it. To lift up our souls is to lift up the very core of our being, our darkest corners and our brightest inspiration. And it's to leave nothing hidden because God is on the work of transformation. He's transforming us as individuals, but he's transforming those around us. Um, and as Jackie pointed out this morning, you know, that actually, you know, he wants that to be part of transformation of, of people in a taxi or an Uber, whoever you're with, you know what I mean, that actually we bring that transformation to others as well. And as a regular rhythm in our lives, we're always reminded of the fact that actually God is all about hope. He's all about us having peace. He's all about joy and he's all about love. And so carry worship and honor of God as a central rhythm wherever you are on the continuum, but always understanding that actually you've got both stones in your pockets, that God is with you at any stage of that journey. Amen? All good? Um, I'll just invite the, the worship band to, to come back up this morning. We've just got a Jackie, you going to do something? You can do a little dance with you like because... Um, I've just got to make a transition to a guitar. We're going to do a couple of songs, so it's just going to be an awkward pause. Maybe just sit and reflect on that for a moment. And um, you taking this? Okay. <laughs> Things to plug in. Hey church, why don't you stand with us and we're going to worship together and reflect on how good our God is. God, today we um, take a moment to look to you, to understand, God, that you occupy the very core and the very center of our lives and that you desire Lord to, to set rhythms for us Lord that are rhythms of goodness rhythms of hope rhythms of peace and joy and love and we're grateful Lord today that we have that because the world wants to set rhythms that are actually too hard for us to, to, to dance to too hard for us to, to really um, prosper in when it really comes down to it so we thank you Lord today and uh, we just take a moment to worship you in that Lord today thank you God today